How does Psalm 23 sound to you right now? It's one of the most beloved biblical passages in history, but it sure has sounded different over the years. How do you suppose it sounded to those early Jews who heard it sung in the temple for the first time? And how do you think it sounds to a family at a graveside hearing it from their loved one's Bible? What does it sound like when a soldier recites it from memory while clutching his dog tag? Or when a young couple reads it on a wall hanging in their brand new nursery? You know, we've heard this psalm in our church, in our worship spaces, but I bet it sounds a little different to you right now. How do you hear Psalm 23 this morning, staring at a screen instead of the back of a pew with the sounds of breakfast in your background, the smell of coffee in your house, and the sight of your children playing in their pajamas? How does Psalm 23 sound in the setting of a pandemic? The setting, after all, is the first thing we notice about this psalm. You know, we don't know who the actual author of it was. Some would say David, but we don't know for sure. Whoever they were, they must have been a landscape artist or a cinematographer. Still waters and green pastures and dark valleys and lush tables. You set aside the verbs and the proper nouns for a minute, and it's as if Psalm 23 were a season of Bob Ross episodes, one painting after another. So this psalm beckons you, first of all, to pay attention to your current setting. How would you define your valley of the shadow of death right now? What does it look like? What is the presence of your enemies? Who are they? But more importantly, where are your still waters right now and your green pastures that God is making you lie down next to? These blessed settings that God is giving you right now that you might not be noticing. Because you know what? As much as setting is important to this psalm, what's even more important is verb tense. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. He leads me. He prepares a table. Nowhere in this psalm does God act in the future or in the past tense. This is not about something God will do or something God has done in the past. You know, we leave that up to the other psalms to talk about God's record and, 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 and God's promise. This psalm is about God in the present moment. As unorthodox and unusual as this moment might be for you and me, the power of this psalm is found right away in its third word, the Lord is. In other words, it is a psalm that invites you to pay attention to God in the present tense. In her book, The Philosophical Baby, Alison Gopnik speculates that children may be more aware and observant of their present surroundings than adults. At the very least, they have a higher degree of curiosity and a sense of wonder, which tends to go away over time. Dr. Gopnik has received a flood of letters from people with stories that support her point. One such gentleman worked as a store security guard. Every day he would stand in his observation deck, a, a perch high above the store floor up near the ceiling, and he would look down and watch the shoppers come in through the front door and go about their business. Here's what's interesting about what this store detective observed. Grown-ups would be so singularly focused on the reason for their visit to the store that they never noticed him watching them from above. 
but their children would always glance up and wave. Unbeknownst to the adults, but noticed by the children, there was someone up above keeping watch over them the whole time. This psalm invites you to see God in the present tense, when you otherwise would want to focus on the, on the confusion and the isolation and, and the worry of the moment. Psalm 23 reminds you to pay attention and see God's power and love at work right now, not just high above and looking down at you from a distance, but as close to you as a shepherd to the sheep. The Lord is your shepherd. Now, I didn't expect this sermon to become a grammar lesson, but since we're at it, now that we've covered the setting and the verb tense and the subject, who is God, there's one last part of speech to pay attention to. Happens to be the part of speech where you and I are in the psalm over and over again. In grammatical terms, you and I are the direct objects of nearly every sentence. God makes you lie down in green pastures. God leads you beside the still waters. God restores your soul. God leads you in right paths. God comforts you. God prepares a table for you. Time and time again throughout these verses, Psalm 23 suggests that God acts and we are just the passive recipients. But are we really? I think there's one more big question to ask of this psalm. How does Psalm 23 sound to a United Methodist in which belief in free will is part of who we are? These verses might lead one to believe that God does the, the making and the leading and the restoring and the repairing, and, and all we have to do is be this passive recipient. But for some reason, that doesn't sound completely right, does it? I mean, have you, have you ever tried to make someone lie down? On this day when we celebrate motherhood in particular and parenthood in general, I wonder how verse 2 sounds to a parent trying to get her three-year-old down to take a nap or to go to bed. Sure, she might say, God makes me lie down in green pastures, but how about making my kid go down and, and, and go nine-nine? So here's what we discover. This psalm requires our cooperation because by default, we put up a fuss. We resist God's invitation to lie down in the green pastures to which God has led us. So there, there, there have been these moments these last several weeks when you and I have been like three-year-olds negotiating bedtime with God. God says it's time to, to, to lie down. And we say, but there's still so much to do, God. I, I haven't figured it all out yet. I, haven't, I have all these problems to fix and people to worry about and, and, and ends to make meet. Wouldn't it be easier if God could simply point to the green pastures that have been there this whole time, like a parent pointing to the bedroom, and we simply say in response, okay, thank you, nine-nine. This psalm calls for our cooperation, each and every verse. Like the next one, God leads me beside the still waters. So may you participate in those still waters. Open your heart and drink of God's goodness and forgiveness for your soul. Not to sound cliche here, but God can lead you to still waters, but God can't make you drink. That's up to you. God restores your soul, it says in verse 3, but it is up to you to live like it. God offers you peace, but you still have to receive it. 
God offers you forgiveness, but, but you still have to believe in that forgiveness and, and forgive others in response. God restores your soul. So what difference will that make in you? God leads you in right paths, but you still must follow where God is leading you. God comforts you with a rod and staff, but you still must claim that comfort right now. God prepares a table for you, but you still must take a seat and even open that table for others. This psalm calls for our cooperation. The great preacher Barbara Brown Taylor once interviewed an actual shepherd for her own sermon on Psalm 23, and she discovered something about sheep and how they are so different from cows. She writes that cows are herded from the rear by hooting men on horseback, cracking whips. But this doesn't work with sheep at all. You stand behind them, making loud noises, and all they will do is run around behind you because they prefer to be led. You push cows, she said, but you lead sheep, and they will not go anywhere that someone else does not go first, namely their shepherd who goes ahead of them to show them that everything is all right. During this pandemic, God is not one to push or force or coerce us into a sense of calm and comfort. God is there to lead us, and it's our job to follow. In other words, don't have a cow, be a sheep. And if we do, and the promise at the end is pretty clear, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How does that sound? Let's pray together. God, thank you for leading us as a shepherd leads the sheep. And as you lead us, may we follow. As you comfort us, may we receive it. As you give us safe shelter amid the worries of our day, help us to dwell in the house that you have made for us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who is our good shepherd. Amen.